Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. The show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. My name is Ross Flanagan, your co-host, and this is a very special episode today because it's a couple of firsts. It's uh, our first international edition, and we have our first guest on the podcast today. We've got Jamie Glazier, the CEO, founder of Dare to Dream, over there in the US of A. He's over there on uh, on assignment in Alabama, I believe. Jamie, how are you? I'm going to bring you in. G'day. How are you going? Roscoe, very well. Yes, we're in, uh, I'm in Dothan, Alabama this week, so uh, first time to Alabama, and um, yeah, beautiful part of the world. Well, I said it's a special episode, so it's episode 10. So we've hit the double digits, and well done to you, sir, on uh, getting us this far. They say if you can get past that sort of eight or nine, then you are a, a serial podcaster. So I think uh, we spoke the other day, and we're going to keep this going full steam ahead. We both are on it. So, um, And we've got a guest there alongside. You've got one of your clients there that you're doing uh, some work with. Who have you got there with you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very uh, lucky and privileged to uh, to bring JD Hughes on the podcast today. So JD, welcome and thanks for uh, joining us here today. Thank you, Jamie. It is an honor, a pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, JD's a a golfer out of Pennsylvania. He's from, but uh, lives in Orlando, Florida, and been working with JD for a few months now. And uh, we're here for the Canadian Q School, so Mackenzie Tour uh, Q School. So uh, yeah, I'm lugging his bag around this week. So he's been uh, kind enough to keep it pretty light but uh i'm getting my fitness in and uh it's been fun so far well we'll come back and we'll have a bit of a chat about uh the event that you're playing in and what you what you guys are up to in a in a minute but uh i guess we should introduce this week's topic and it's a really really important topic for everyday golfers like you like me club golfers out there just trying to be better trying to improve their mental performance to be better golfers and could be one of the most significant factors in in improving your mental performance and that's the topic of focus we've been through a few notes i'm still as i always say learning this journey alongside you here jamie i understand the concept of focus but just in our brief chats i know that my focus level needs to lift and i'm really keen to learn how to to improve that so Take us through what focus means. What's what's the run sheet for today's podcast? Over yeah, to you. Yeah, look, focus is a you know it's a obviously a very interesting topic because it can get uh, confused or it can get blurred a little bit. And I know you know you and I when we play and my last game of golf, for example, that we played before I came was was nothing short of a train wreck. Those first six or seven holes, mainly because I was flying out the next day. I had so much on my plate that I was trying to do. You know, really my focus not, was not on golf at all. And uh, so I think the important thing that I try to clarify with this topic is the difference between concentration and focus. And for me, concentration is something that we do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our mind is always concentrating on something. But I would talk concentration when it comes to the game of golf as multitasking is our mind is thinking about multiple things at one time and that is concentration where focus is more so uh, getting rid of a lot of the stuff and 
just having an isolated attention on one thing and one thing only. Now, whether that is for a round of golf, whether that is for just one shot, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, just being able to have your mind focusing on one thing at a time is really what the art of focus is. And it's a it's something that really does help increase the quality of, uh, of golfers' performance. So I was thinking about that and you know, trying to just relate it to normal day, everyday world for everyday golfers uh, like you and I. And I think about myself and you would mentioned multitasking. And I run around you know, 12, 13 hours a day in business and I pride myself on my ability to multitask. I've got customers over there that I need to talk to. I've got an order over here that I need to press send on. I've got a phone call or th- several of to re- return i've got some reports to do and it just has to get done and it just seems to get done by having an ability to 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 multitask and i think good multitaskers wear that badge of honor you know with a a degree of pride because you know they have this ability to to keep everything all the balls up in the air and then then i think about well hang on how more effective could i be in a working sense if i could sit down and have defined blocks of activity without any other distraction without the necessity to multitask and just focus on an individual task for a period of time. So then I think, well, how does that relate to golf, Ross? I hear you ask. Golf for me, I do. golf is a big game of multitasking. If you look at it in such yeah. a way, you know, you've got yeah. the shot you've just hit, the shot you need to hit, the hole that you've just had, the score that you've just had, the, the bunch of scores that you've got on the card so far, how far ahead or behind you are, you know, the time that you're keeping, the other people that are around you looking for balls, there's just eternal multitasking going on, which if you don't have this ability to focus on every shot at every time can really be the unravelling of every game. So that's how I see sort of focus for me and multitasking and that sort of understanding the difference between focus and concentration. Yep. Does that make sense? And you, yeah, you said, it, you said it absolutely beautifully. And it's not to say that multitasking is not an important key element of golf performance or in your business or if there was a surgeon that was executing an operation, they're multitasking. Their mind is is thinking about so many different things, but the, the real key is to be able to be present to what you're doing right now while you're still juggling the balls. Okay, mm. so it's it's having an understanding of the of the holes that you've just played, the holes that are coming up, your potential score, you know, what potential, like for JD, for example, potentially, you know, what score you might need to have a successful week this week. It's it's having an understanding of all those multitasking components, but then bringing your attention back to right now. What do I need to do right now in this moment? Where am I? What's the shot? What do I need to do? And almost pause all those other juggling components so that you can be present to this one moment. Sometimes when we multitask, we don't pause those other components and then our mind can wander and what I call internal interruption, we can have this interruption to our focus and that ultimately has a, a you know a decent negative impact on our performance. Man, I can just give you an example of just in that moment just right then. You know, I said there before and I apologize and I apologize again that my phone rang and it was a customer. Yeah. And sending me a text. Yeah. And I've just had to reply to that while you were talking and and I listened to everything you said, but I lost focus. Yep. In that moment I lost focus and my commitment to you was was not optimum. It was not 100% in that moment. So that's exactly yep. the same as that golf shot. My commitment to yep. the golf shot wouldn't yep. have been the same 
because I was yep. distracted by the phone ringing and I, I went and yep. dealt with it and the phone shouldn't have been on. So once again, I apologise and apologise to the listeners. But it's a good example of, of, of for me in that moment of focus and, and losing focus because I'm multitasking. I didn't give you 100%. No, look, and the other thing is, is that you you probably did a really good job then of dealing with the things that you had to deal with in that moment, dealing with the customer while also listening to me. You probably did a really good job of managing that. And on the golf course, sometimes, and obviously the better golfer you are, the more you can get away with a poor focus because of just, you can hit golf shots with your mind distracted and sometimes hit good golf shots. But from a long-term point of view, uh, you know, it's like gambling. Yeah, anyone can go and put 100 bucks on black at the casino and win, but if you do that 100 times, the chances of coming out in front are, are quite minimal. So it's more about, for me, awareness and, and, and recognition of where is my focus and potentially what are the interrupters to my focus because having that awareness of what things could take me away from this moment is so important because if we don't recognize those, then they can pop up without us really even knowing. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you need to look out for as interrupters to focus if we are on this building this stronger ability and stronger muscle to fo- improve our focus? What are the interrupters that you need to be aware of? I mean, that's that's so specific to each individual and it's, a, it's an important one for uh, for me. When when I work with clients, we just we get them to recognise what are the potential interrupters to focus? So sit down. What are the things on your mind? Possibly before a round of golf for, for club-level golfers, sit down, think about what is on my mind, what could sort of pop up during this round of golf that I need to be mindful of and be aware of, and then what can I do about those things right now that might sort of stave off some of that interruption to focus during the round? If you can send one quick message to say to someone, hey, I'll, I'll give you a call after the round, then you've parked that from being an interrupter. That That's not going to interrupt your focus during the round because you've taken care of it, okay? And the next step of actioning that is making a call after the round. So it frees you up to have to worry about that during the round of golf. So everybody's interrupters are very different, whether it's work-related, whether it's uh, an injury that you're, you're dealing with, whether it's, I, I mean... There's just so many facets that could uh, that could impact and interrupt focus that just I think the important thing is for everyone to just sit down and take time and recognize what they could be for you. Yeah, right. Which I which I didn't do in our last round of golf. I just went there going, oh, I'm traveling tomorrow, so I'm just going to go out and have a, a really nice morning. And I didn't sit down and, and go through those interrupters to focus because when I realized that as soon as I started to think about one thing, that led to four, five, six, seven other things that I hadn't really thought too much about, but they were all related. So, you know, that was an important thing for me to to really make sure when I when I come back and I'm playing golf to, for me, have to go through that process so that I can allow myself better ability to focus when I go out and play. It was interesting for me to watch you on that round because you know, I know you pretty well by now and I could see that you were very distracted, and it's unlike it's yeah. unlike you. Like playing good good golf or average golf, or you know having whatever scores. That's that's not yeah. unlike either of us. You know that's normal. Yeah. But but what wasn't normal that day that I could see that you were very distracted, almost to the point yeah. that you were unhappily distracted. You know, I, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but you were frustrated. And yeah, and I don't know yeah. what part it was in the round where we just sort of checked in and said, "Mate, we're hitting, we're here now." Yeah, you know, we're on top of the grass. The sun's out. 
you're heading on the yeah. plane tomorrow. You're off to do some great work with some great people. And yeah. I don't know if that meant anything, but your sort of golf certainly picked up after that point. Yeah, I think the your golf performance level improved and I think your, your happiness or your mood certainly lifted yeah. as well. So I don't know if that was yeah. a thing, but uh, yeah. it certainly was something that I not, I noticed and it was very un, unlike uh, unlike you. But you, you know, now that yeah. you articulate it and talk about it, you, know, you obviously had a lot going on and you could probably yeah. be doing several other things with your time yeah. out there doing, in playing golf with a couple of couple of legends myself and sam doherty mind you you know who who wouldn't want to be part of that group no that's right <laughs> well it's funny because i you know those first couple of holes all i could think about was how much stuff i needed to do and that maybe i shouldn't be here yeah so and as soon as i stayed you know the, the train of thought stayed down that path then we found after five holes i've got two options here i have to i have to leave and then when i process that i'm like I can't. I I couldn't personally leave you guys in a two ball, behind a slow four ball field. Like so, I thought, hang on. Give me. So I took a hold to process it all. What do I really need to do? Let's go through it. And can I get that done this afternoon? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Look, just push that aside and just enjoy being out here for the last time for a month. And you know, within a whole, obviously, you guys were great. You had a you know really good chat to me. We spoke about some stuff and. Uh, it was just great to be able to just go, okay, let's let's just put that aside and let's just go and have some fun. And then, you know, more importantly, you know, as you said, the, the mood changed and that's the thing that a lot of people, you know, and I do what I do, but I'm also a club-level golfer that has a lot of stuff away from the golf course that I'm trying to juggle and manage and I don't spend enough time on my own game in any facet, whether it be technical sort of training or whether it's mental training. So every now and then those things are going to break down. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, for me, it's, it's, I love being in that position because it helps me to learn more about what happens when I'm, when someone's in that state. So, um, so yeah, so it was great. But, um, you know, I think, you know, having JD on the show tonight, I think one of the interrupters to focus that, you know, I, I know we've had a few questions about in the past is injuries and, you know, JD's had uh, a sort of a bit of tendonitis in his wrist and his hand and shoulder injury the last couple of months. And uh, it's been a couple of years, really, it's been. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of flared up a little bit the last couple of months. So it would be good to just get JD's sort of opinion on how that injury so far this week or the past couple of weeks has been an interrupter to sort of on-course focus for him. Well, let's bring JD. Yeah. Let's bring JD in. How are you, mate? You well? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on uh, hope, again, Ross. I'm doing good. I hope, my, um, I hope my guy's looking after you over there. He's he's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, other than the hat he bought this, uh, I guess it'd be <laughs> yesterday. It doesn't look quite right on him. Uh, it's been bothering me a bit, but other than that, he's been doing good. It's his, you, you know, it's his signature. You yeah. you yeah. actually told me you like that hat, Ross. So uh, it's a, it's uh, that a, was the hat in the video. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. He's a long ways away, though. He's got to see it in person to really get a true feel. <laughs> now, JD, uh, as Jamie just mentioned, you've got a couple of challenges there with that uh, distraction or the the through your the the injury. So, how how are you managing that? What does it mean to you? And how do you stop it from trying to you know minimize your performance? Yeah. So you know, I think it's interesting. You know, with Jamie alluding to juggling so many different components. And, uh, you know, ideally you don't want, you wouldn't like to have any external factors to, to play a role when you're on the golf course, but over the course of a four and a half, five hour round and you're playing, you know, 
18 holes emotionally trying to get through all of that in the heat of competition. Uh, it's very, very difficult to, to kind of go through the entire round unscathed a lot of the times. And, you know, when you put in an injury like that, it can kind of get you out of your rhythm. It can activate the conscious mind. It can, like he said earlier, having one injury can trigger five or six other thoughts that previously you had pushed to the side and now they are, you know, at the surface of your mind. So those are all things that I think play a huge role in kind of the the spiral that can happen if you let something like this affect you. And by no means am I perfect at it. You know, we work at it all the time trying to to manage uh, something like that, uh, like an injury. And you really just try and, and, and narrow your focus and make it as simple as possible. Uh, try and, and, and really uh, hone in on one or, or, or two possible things, uh, like a commitment level, finishing your swing, you know, something like that. Those two things for me, trying not to let the injury uh, take precedent and in your process. And, and those are, you know, things that, that I think, uh, can really be beneficial in, uh, in taking control over what your mind wants to tell you and saying that, Hey, this injury is important. You need to give this attention. Oh, and by the way, such, such, and such can also, can also be a problem for you. And I think, uh, definitely putting your focus into one area and just owning that area and, and making, making that a priority can really help kind of put your worries at ease and just manage it the best that you can. Absolutely. So do you still find that you, in that moment, in the round, I'm talking about the pre-round, post-round, in-round, you have to acknowledge that you've got this distraction from focus. Do you, do you find yourself saying, okay, it's it's not quite right in this moment, but when you move on to the shot, that's when you know you really hone in on that commitment, you know, the clarity of the commitment, right. the confidence, yeah. So so it's not something that goes away and you can just bundle it away. You do have to acknowledge it in in, sure. in round. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to you can't, you know, pretend like it's not there. I think on our fourth or fifth hole of the tournament, we got off to a, a semi rough start with the injury, I would say, and and Jamie did a great job bringing up like, hey, you know, this is this is here and this is not going away. Now let's tackle this in a way that we can manage it and, you know, find a way to play good golf with it being there. You know, you just don't want it to be your identity for the week. Uh, You just don't want it to consume your entire uh, thought process. You just you just try and stay positive through it. And, you know, it's something that I work on every day and I'll never be perfect at it. But we've been working on hard, especially this week. Well, Roscoe, that was um, yeah, really, really interesting choice of words that you used and it couldn't have been more appropriate in regards to, you know, trying to avoid that the injury's there or or do you try and, you know, acknowledge it, uh, accept it and then create sort of a, a process to commit to. And what JD was talking about on that fifth hole was he's been dealing with this injury for a while now and it's obviously building up and, and it's been pretty good for, for a while and then it's just come back again the last couple of months. So I think the frustration around having to perform a Q school and have to deal with this when most other players aren't having to deal with it because it is quite, I mean, a hand injury in golf is, it's certainly not ideal to say the least. So, you know, uh, JD was sort of three over or a couple over through five and I could just see he was sort of just getting super frustrated that he's having to deal with this and, and did a great job of managing it for the most part. You know, first tee ball, you could see it flinched and hurt and, he sort of just hit a pulled a ball out of bounds and made par with a second ball, made a couple of pars come, you know, the next three or four holes and 
but I could just see that this was going to potentially get on top of him if, if we just didn't have a chat around, okay, let's let's just accept that this is here and let's try and grind a, a, a different, uh, you know, a, a different score today than what you typically would like to. And three over through 11 and he, uh, you know, had three birdies coming in to finish even par, which is, which is great, you know, and someone that has dealt with injuries for an extended period of time, that just naturally builds a mental strength and a resilience inside them that, uh, you know, that they uh, they just have to to work around it. So I knew that once we had that conversation, he would he would find a way to to emotionally process it, and uh, and he did. And today he did another great job. And um, so uh, yeah, but um, for someone like you know you know me last year, Ross playing with that shoulder injury, it was yeah. It's uh, golf's such an athletic game, and this this guy's like I don't know how tall he is, six foot six. About yeah. Yeah, about six foot six, and I don't know how much you weigh. Two thirty-five. So two thirty-five pound. I don't know. That's got to be close to like a hundred kilo. I would have. I wouldn't have the slightest clue. Yeah, but just <laughs> a mountain of muscle. This guy is. Um, so beast, you know, beast, he's, beast mode activated. That's what I'm oh, hearing. Just, <laughs> yeah, just. The ground shakes when he hits the ball. Um, <laughs> takes me seven minutes to clean like the dirt out of his his irons when he hits it because there's that much turf getting removed. But you know, for someone that's so athletic to have an injury that takes away a sense of that athleticism is, um, you know, it is debilitating. But he's he's doing a fantastic job. So, so bring it back to and JD, I'll come back to you in a second. But bring it back to the everyday golfer. You know, it could be an injury, it could be a distraction from work, it could be home life, it could be you might have like me crashed your car or something like that. You know, there could be a number of things going on which you just yeah. need to then acknowledge and then bring back yeah. to a level of focus to have the best possible outcome for your golf in that particular day, in that particular moment. Absolutely. And there's, you know, we talk about, I think the next thing we were sort of going to talk about, which is a, a good sort of interlude to that, is is that cognitive performance is how can, because the more distractions or the more you're dealing with, the, the higher quality of performance your brain needs to be at and your mind needs to be at to be able to cope with those distractions. If you've got nothing going on, your mind and brain don't have to be functioning at such a high level to still perform well. But the more distractions, I look at it as the more distractions and more things that are going on that you're dealing with is more weight added to the bar when you're, you know, when you're in the gym. So there's more resistance. You have to be stronger to be able to still perform at a good level. Yeah, right. Got it. So does that make sense? I'm yep. cognitively still going through it in my mind, but uh, yeah, it makes it makes sense, yes. So I look at if someone's going through a, a decent amount, then, you know, uh, are quite busy, uh, there's got a few things going on, uh, let's say some challenges outside in the work life or home life, there's some challenges. We need our mind to be functioning at its absolute best to help us perform at our best. And generally what people do is they do the opposite. Okay, when they're experiencing stress or anxiety or anything like that, they do things like maybe they might overeat. Um, they might have a few drinks to manage stress. They do things that actually uh, decline their cognitive performance, that decrease their cognitive performance because that's a another way of dealing with or managing the stress that they're going through. So, you know, we've spoken about it before, but a couple of really key factors for cognitive performance is obviously really good quality sleep, hydration. I mean, I, I cannot tell people how important hydration is. It is 
one of the, if not the most important thing to cognitive performance um, and your ability to have mental clarity and uh, and just focus. Um, and then obviously eating patterns and eating habits, the foods that you eat, uh, you know, uh, dramatically impact that. So, you know, they're, they're three really simple things that all of us have 100% control over that uh, we can sort of action to help us perform at a better level. And we don't need to be robotically great at all of them all the time. But if if we are dealing with more things, that's when you want to go into lockdown mode with those three components and make sure you nail those because that's when you need that cognitive performance uh, at its highest point. And that's, we're talking obviously golf specific, but th- that message is for, for outside of golf as well. Yeah. So yes, diet, you know, like any level of stress, you know, you can read numerous articles online about, you know, the, the impacts of stress and diet and how you, you know, tend to gravitate towards, you know, food that sends messages to your brain that gives you some level of satisfaction, but they're just, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a trick. It, it really yeah. is the, the, the brain tricking you. So, you know, yeah. that diet part is uh, absolutely essential. And I know I fall into both categories, you know, I, I'm the person that gets stressed and, you know, will slip into poor eating habits at poor times. And, yeah. you know, do I have any quantifiable evidence to say that that leads to poor performance? I could probably dig that up and provide a case study that that, that there does. But um, yeah. I do know that in my best and my, my moments of more peak performance, that yeah. my, my, my diet and my approach to all of that, that we just, you just mentioned, has been at a much yeah. better place. So, yeah. you know, yeah. we're just here listening, Jamie, and, uh, you know, we're all – just out there trying to be better golfers and we've i'm sure we've got challenges like uh you know there aren't everyone listening is not an eating to perfection machine but uh i guess yep. if we just put it in the mind that if you can yep. make two steps forward and not take three steps back that is a uh, that's an outcome yep. in in trying to you know i guess get better at that level which would then yep. mean that once we learn how to train our focus which is what we could move to now maybe we're going to be in a yep. far better place so yep. how do you train yep. for focus well, if we're talking, you know, golf specific now, you know, we look at we look at what focus means on the golf course. It means we get to a shot, we we go through that process of gathering information. So we, you know, analyze a number, we analyze the conditions, where do we want to leave the ball? So we're really we're going through that left brain processing of what's the shot I have ahead of me and what would I like to do? And then we try and switch on to a really pretty high level for just a split 30 seconds or so where we're really trying to engage in what shot we're trying to hit, really engage in our process, whether that is a uh, a visual process, whether that is a, a, a sort of a swing feel process where you're blending mechanics with shot shape. Um, everyone's a bit different, but having your focus connected to and engaged to that process for 30 seconds and then switching off. And then having your mind wander again and then switching on again. So that's what that's the process of how we perform on the golf course. So we switch on for 30 seconds, we switch off for three or four or five or ten minutes between shots. So we look at how do we train for that. Most players, uh, golfers club level, especially when they're practicing on the range, they focus for an extended period of time without break. 20-minute range session, they're there beating balls for 20 minutes without a break. Hmm. That in no way relates to anything that you're going to do in a competitive round of golf. Hmm. 
So, and you probably hit the same club for at least five of those minutes, maybe 10 of those minutes. So all we're trying to do is we're going to, we're, we're trying to take the behavioral patterns of a golfer in a competitive environment and actually spend more time practicing that. So whether that is instead of being on the range for an hour, go and play six holes for an hour. Because that's going to be much more beneficial from a training cognitive performance and focus than it is being on the range for 20 minutes, uh, for, for an hour. And, you know, there's multiple, multiple stories of PGA Tour players. I know Jeff Ogilvie's one, Aaron Badley's one. There's, there's so many that they lose their game a bit, but then they just go back to playing more. Instead of practicing on the range during the, you know, during an off week, they just go and play a bunch of golf. And then ultimately they start to play better. And it's not only because they're actually spending more time on their performance environment, but it's also sort of unconsciously training a lot more cognitive patterns that they need to perform in. Yeah. Well, it makes perfect sense. And, but, you know, I'm yeah. I'm guilty as charged as being one of those uh, players that's probably spent more than, you know, more than even you've articulated then, you know, I'll whiz through two buckets of 50 in you know, 20 minutes and, and then sit there and look for the third. And then of recent times I've caught myself going, what are you doing? What have you just achieved? I might have yeah. just probably actually done some negative performance, you know, because yeah. I haven't hit great shots and haven't really taken any, any time to uh, process, you know, hitting to targets or that sort of thing. I just belted some balls. So, yeah, absolutely. Might be a really good time to, uh, to test and challenge JD here with uh, what processes we've put in place for his practice where we are actually – really isolating focus and building focus uh, during his range sessions. Well, so what's a, uh, what have we done? JD, I'll, right. I'll, ask, I'll ask you before you, you answer, but I'm also interested to learn you know, what you're doing now, but what was it like before? So don't know how long you've been working with Jamie, but you know, before you guys started working together and before you started to become you know, this mental performance machine, what, uh, what was it like before? Let's talk about now, and then then you can come back and tell us what it was like before. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think creating performance simulation while practicing is one of the one of the big keys, especially for me to to really train that focus. You know, even when when you're looking at when I, when me and Jamie first started working together, he said something or we had a phone conversation, and he had mentioned something that really resonated with me. Uh, about one that that he mentioned that one shot under performance pressure simulation pressure whether that be on the chipping green you know playing a, a five ball game you know having to get four out of the five balls inside of eight feet or six feet or whatever and it coming down to that last ball and feeling that sense of pressure a little bit of tightness in your chest seeing how your body uh, reacts just having that one rep is worth 10 times more than two hours of mindless practice or one hour of mindless practice. And just for me, I think just understanding that, that difference and that separation has really helped me practice smarter in the past few months that we've been working together. I've really put a purpose to my practice or or tried to, you know, I'm never going to be perfect. We're all, you know, we're all guilty of losing a little bit of focus here and there, but for the most part, I try to, uh, just create that simulation uh, as much as possible. He, Jamie, uh, just talked about um, you know creating. You know, you're not going to hit balls on the range for 20 minutes, and then 
you know, grind and beat balls and then go out and play golf. I mean, you're not getting the same type of feedback that way. So, for example, this morning, in the past two mornings, you know, my last few balls on the range, we've been simulating the first few holes on the golf course. So I'll hit my drive on one and then hit my second shot on one, my drive on two or iron shot on two, and then my second shot on two. And just try and give yourself a little bit of time in between shots, in between swings, and just create that that simulation. And that's really uh, done wonders for me and my confidence as far as training that focus and, and just feeling like you're, you're prepared and that you've done this before when you actually get in ter- uh, an event. Now, when did you make the decision that you had to seek some coaching around this area of your golfing life to be the next level of golfer what did that look like i'm interested to understand the thoughts and and what was happening i mean so when i first you know when i I finished college and i I, you know did the whole turn in pro and you know i was really digging deep to understand what separates a lot of these guys um and the line is just so razor thin you know on, on every level of tour i mean even the mckenzie tour or the latin america the corn fair i mean there's probably you know, the thinnest line, you can't even see it anymore between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour. 100%, yeah. You know, so it's, and it, it, it's, it's just so obvious that the mind is just controls so much of what you do on the golf course. And that's something that you, you just don't pay a whole lot of attention to. When you talk about practicing, you know, a lot of guys, you know, and myself included, we, you know, we practice 80 to 90% of our physical game and, you know, 10 to 5% on our mental game. And, and when it's actually quite the opposite. And, uh, so that, you know, that was a real eye opener for me. I have two really good coaches, swing coaches that are really good friends of mine from, uh, back up North that really, you know, had really had good talks with me when I first turned pro to say, Hey, listen, this is, this is going to be necessary for you to try and make, make it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, because not everybody is, you know, ultra talented to where they just skyrocket to success. So cool. So you made that decision. Um, let's give the listeners a little bit of a background uh, into J- the world of JD. So you were a college golfer at Penn State. Is that did I remember, get that right? So, yep. So what's the world of a college golfer look like? It's it's rather hectic, actually. You know, you don't really think about it much, but it's a it's a two season sport. So it's fall and spring, and you miss more school playing golf than you do any other sport collegiate sport just because of the the nature of you know a travel day a practice round day and and normally two or sometimes three competitive days so you're missing a lot of school and you know it's just you just have to be proactive and and uh you know keeping up with your with your professors letting them know when you're leaving and and coordinating when you can make things up and it's just you know it's eventually you, you get used to it but it's just juggling a lot of priorities uh, at one time, but it's a lot of fun. You do it with nine to 10 other guys and you kind of share those experiences together. And uh, you know, I loved it. It was, it was a grind, but in, in at first you're like, wow, you know, this is, this is going to be tough when you're in your freshman or sophomore or whatever. But by the end it's, it's, it's worth it. And it was a lot of fun. Did you have three years on the team? Was it three or four years? I had three years at Penn state. I, I spent one year at Kent state in, Akron, just outside of Akron, Ohio, yeah, and uh, and transferred after my after my freshman year. Just a, a really good opportunity. I loved Kent, the guys, the team, coaches. Just a really good opportunity came up with Penn State, and 
and I kind of just rolled with it. It was a little bit closer to home, so it was it was it was good. I love both places, though. Now, excuse my ignorance, but there's divisions in the collegiate golf system over there. Is it NCIA and NCAA or something like that? Yeah, NCAA. You know, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, not too sure about outside of those. I know they have like PSAC and uh, like different types of uh, divisions that I'm not quite familiar with. Uh, but you know, Penn State was Division One, as was Kent. NCAA, that is. So, who would have been some of your, uh, I guess, contemporaries that you would have been playing alongside in in your college career? Uh, as far as individuals or teams? Oh, individuals and teams. Yeah, I mean, we were in a conference called the Big Ten Conference. Uh, it's, you know, comprised of teams like Ohio State, Michigan, you know, Purdue, Indiana, Illinois. Um, Illinois had a great golf program. Um, so did Ohio State. Michigan was always very, very good. You know, I was fortunate enough to you know play alongside a lot a lot of rising stars even on the pga tour um even now like a bryson dechambeau colin morikawa ollie snyder jans uh we played with georgia tech a good bit so it was cool i mean they're one through five their traveling team was really really good yeah and it was cool the even like a bo hostler sky scheffler uh doug gim those guys and they were all really really uh cool to just watch and uh and uh, play alongside a lot of them are really good good dudes as well. Mate, as you say, that line is very, very fine in terms of uh, the difference between all of the levels of golfers. And uh, you're this week trying to qualify for the McKenzie Tour, and you already have some uh, status on the Latin America Tour. Is that correct? Right, yeah. Yeah, so you're, I guess you're just looking to be able to have a full schedule and uh, you know, use those as a stepping stone into, into the next level, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Just to have a place to play all year, you know, just trying to, uh, to really just have a, a spot to play throughout the summer and, um, just trying to create as much opportunity as I can. Yeah. Right. So Jamie, anything else you want to, uh, you know, fill us in about the world of JD that he might not have, uh, let us know. Is there any other little special bits of information that you can give the listeners that, cause they'll, they're all going to go, want to go and search up and look at JD He's our first guest. Well, you know, this is, yeah. Look, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of the listeners, you know, follow us both both on Instagram, and and we'll we'll tag JD in a, in a post about the podcast. Uh, JD is a, I think the first word that comes to mind, Ross, honestly, is is stud. Like, you look, you look at someone like a Dustin, like a Dustin Johnson, you know, like big, strong, athletic. Like JD played basketball in his high school team. He's just he's just a beast. He he absolutely bombs the ball. I'm learning more about him this week, obviously on the golf course, just his shot making ability, his control over his golf ball, uh, his left-handed, very creative player, rolls the ball beautifully on the greens. Just he's a really, really exciting golfer to watch. And, you know, there's that fine line for me caddying this week for him where, you know, in a couple of times he might be trying to hit a recovery shot and he, he looks at spots in trees and, and I'm like, man, like I know he's got this shot and part of me really, really wants him to just go and hit this shot. But I couldn't live with myself if, if, if that something went wrong and it cost us two shots here, knowing it's a 72-hole event where you just can't have big numbers on the scorecard. Um, but he's just so much fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, really uh, I, I definitely recommend to to the followers to, to give him a follow on Instagram. And, um, unfortunately, I think – by what I hear, his Snapchat's a whole lot more interesting, but uh, we probably won't get access to to that. But um, now, look, he's uh, 
he's he's a great player with a lot of ability, and it's uh it's it's going to be a fun journey. So, hey, JD, JD, you couldn't come on without getting a little bit of stick, mate. So, uh, you, you, I think you've got off lightly, really. But um, entertaining is one for me. As soon. I mean, he started getting he started to get stuck in me about my hat before he's like. Oh, he, yeah, no, he, he, he well, I, that's fair. That's fair criticism. I mean, we can <laughs> if we want to dish out criticism. I mean, you know, I might just don't want him to waste forty dollars on you know, two hats that you know might not look quite correct but you know i mean i told him to bend he, I, he bent the brim a bit and it looks it looks a touch better i'm getting like fashion advice now so, from a stud so that's what my life's come to roscoe hey, jd <laughs> I, i'm an approaching i'm a mid-40s guy that wears a flat peak mate so uh i can't give anything on that front mate i i can only receive in terms of uh hat criticism so um I love that hat, Jamie. It's, it's, I might pinch it from you. Well, it, it probably looks much better on you, Ross. If I, had to, <laughs> I mean, that's I could see that style. I'll tell you so. what. I might get Ross one, and yeah. uh, and we'll and we'll see we'll, how we'll, 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 we'll take a photo yeah. when we get back, and we'll get your thoughts. Red, red's not my <laughs> color, so if we can go with a blue or a black. But anyway, but I appreciate that, Jamie. Thanks. It'd be nice to get something from your travels. I appreciate that very much. Hey, um, so thank you, JD, for jumping on and giving us a really open and honest account of where you're at, where you've been. Not everyone at your level of golf in the world would be as open or to do that, but uh, I'm sure the listeners really do appreciate you being open and honest. So thank you. And I hope one day that uh, as we follow your journey that we can get you back on. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. I thank you so much, Ross. I appreciate that and appreciate you having me on. Oh, man, that's uh, our pleasure, our pleasure. Now, Jamie, the, the last part of helping, I guess, everyone understand how important focus is and uh, you know how we develop this strong mental muscle, what can we do on course to activate it? What are the, yeah, look, the tips? I, I, I'm going to keep this one really simple, and it's cool. it's something that, that JD and, and I have, have really activated this week with, uh, with me catting for him is just to have – you know, a trigger word, uh, something that helps to bring you back to the moment. Uh, it might be a statement. Um, I know Ryan Ruffles at Tour School last year had in his yardage book, he wrote right here, right now. So every time he opened his yardage book, they were the first four words that jumped out in, at his mind. So that helped enable him to come back to the moment. Um, JD and I, before every shot, we sort of, okay, what's the target here, mate? You know, and then I'd just say, okay, good rhythm here, just to help bring his focus back to, okay, I need to stay in my rhythm here. So if the listeners can just have have a word or a, or, a, or a short statement that they can use to anchor their focus and trigger their focus back into this moment and write it on your glove, you know, write a couple of word, uh, letters on your golf ball, just have something there that helps to trigger your mind back to this moment right now. Um, you know, if you've got a score card, a scorecard uh, protector or a scorecard holder, write something in there that helps you to just bring yourself back to the moment. And that's as simple as, as it needs to be. And it's going to be super effective and, uh, you know, something that we can all sort of implement uh, and employ, you know, straight away. Absolutely, mate. I think that pretty much gives everyone a very good insight into focus, how to improve it, how to understand and identify and acknowledge, uh, you know, the in and out of uh, focus and some great tips there on things that you can do on the course to maintain focus from every shot because every shot counts, obviously. Mate, what I was going to say is well done on the podcast so far. It uh, is rating consistently very highly and I've done a little bit of research on to how and why because I didn't really understand how it jumps up and jumps down but it's because of the listeners uh, subscribing and going onto iTunes and 
leaving reviews and uh, hitting the subscribe button. That affects how it rates. So we really appreciate everyone that's uh, taken the effort to, to do that. We also always, it's an open invitation. If anyone has a question, anyone wants any feedback, anyone wants to share anything with Jamie or myself, you're more than welcome to do and we'll always get back to you. Yeah. You know, we, we, we just really appreciate any level of content, uh, contact, sorry, not content, uh, contact that you can give to us. You know, we just really, really are inspired to keep doing this based on the level of feedback that we've got. So I can just yeah. say 10 episodes now, it's a, it's a little mini milestone. And uh, as we spoke the other day, Jamie, to double down on this and just keep going full yeah. steam ahead because people are enjoying what they're hearing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I back up your uh, your comments there, Ross. Uh, I really do appreciate everyone's um, not only just listening, subscribing, but you know, engaging, uh, commenting, uh, you know, on posts and things that we put up. It's been it's been fantastic, and and also uh, you're a big component, mate, of uh, of why it's so successful. So I really appreciate everything you do, and uh, look forward to uh, to continuing uh, to podcast number twenty, fifty, a hundred, whatever the next milestones uh, milestones are in this world. I have no idea, but uh, we'll tick them off. Mate, we'll enjoy the rest of your time over there. I'm uh, missing you on the golf course, but uh, I won't miss you on this. Uh, we might uh, see if we can do another episode while you're over overseas there, maybe from uh, maybe from Palm Springs or somewhere other exotic destination that you seem to basically pop up in in your world. Appreciate the time, and yeah, until next time on the Mental yeah. Mastery Golf Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to dare2dream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.